Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 34, entitled, All Things to All Men. Hello, welcome back. Welcome to our midweek study. Hope everything's going great with you, and uh, pray that that is true. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 9 is where we are. We finished all of chapter 8 last time. We we're skipping down about three-quarters of the way, two-thirds of the way in chapter uh, 9, and we're going to be picking up with verses 19 all the way down through verse uh, 22. So if you would like to turn there, and while you're turning there, or while you're looking for a Bible, let's, uh, let's stop for a minute and have a word of prayer. God, we lift our hearts to you. We thank you for the grace you've given us to live another day, to be uh, hopeful uh, and full of joy, and that's not because of anything we've done, because of all that you've done for us. And so, Lord, we just ask uh, that you would fill us with your spirit. We pray, God, that um, that you would direct us, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us direction and gives us uh, understanding, uh, makes things clear for us. I pray that you'd speak to us today. As always, God, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 22, we're going to be there in just a second. Some of you, if you know me, you know I like to fish, and uh, fishing is one of those things that just hasn't changed a lot in the years. Um, you still even though fishing has been going on since the dawn of time, creation, um, you still have to trick a fish to bite a hook, and that hasn't changed. And you still have to go where the fish are in order to get them. And, and since we're not animals that breathe water, uh, it can be treacherous. It can be dangerous. Uh, certainly is challenging, to be sure. And it really is no different than what it has been in the past. You've got to get in a boat. You've got to get near the water. You've got to get in the water, whatever it is. Same is true with fishing for men. Uh, not much has changed since the first century church as it endeavored to do what Jesus called them to do, which, by the way, uh, is very clear for us, right? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. This is Jesus speaking. This is our marching orders that he gives to us. Uh, this is uh, a challenge, and I want us to listen now. We're ready to look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, chapter 9, verse 19. I want to listen to how an expert fisherman by the name of Paul met that challenge, how he adjusted his life. And so with that in mind, let's, keep, let's, let's take a look at there for verse 19. For though I am free from all men, he says, and he is, so are we. I have made myself a slave to all. That's a statement. That I might win the more. Why? Because that is what Jesus has called us to do. Matthew 28, 19, 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatever things I've commanded you. How do we do that? Any way we can. I made myself a slave to all. To the Jews, he says, I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. Because why? That's his call. And to those who were under the law, as under the law. Why? Because that's his call. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law, and to those who are without the law. Why? Because that's his call. I became as one without the law, though not being myself without the law of God, but I am under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. Again, why? Because that's his call. That's our call. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, 
that I might by all means save some. That is a tremendous statement. All things to all men that I might by all means save some. So our marching orders are Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go and make disciples. How do we do that? By becoming all things to all men that we might save some. Does that describe the average Christian that you know? I think it's a good question, don't you? Because here we have the Bible calling us, sending us, giving us our attitude, because that's Paul's attitude. He's, he's being put out there as the example of how we're supposed to be. Is that who we are? Does that describe the average Christian you know? Does that describe most churches that you know? Does that describe, does that describe this church? We need to ask the hard questions. Are we actually doing what we've been told to do? Are we just pretending to do what we've been told to do, but in fact we're not doing it? Have to ask the hard questions. Does that describe this church? Does, does that statement that Paul makes, all things to all men that you might say something, does that describe you? What's wrong then if it doesn't? Anymore, it seems the average Christian and church efforts to reach Lost people can be more described of some things to a few men as opposed to all things to all men. Huge difference. And we seemingly are unwilling to change or move to reach a changing and moving world. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with us? 1994, a famous uh, lighthouse, maybe the most famous in the United States, the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse, uh, one of the most well-known, been in service for 130 years, uh, stood uh, on its historic site, but it was in danger. And the danger was, it was originally created, it was originally built, it was built about a quarter mile inland away from the battering waves. But over time, erosion and wave action had eroded away the coast to where now at high tide, uh, the waves were lapping at the foundation of this ancient famous uh, structure, the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse. And uh, everybody was left with two options. Number one, leave it where it is. It's been there for 130 years and uh, no longer in use. Of course, we don't need lighthouses anymore. But uh, it's certainly a monument and a historic site. And either one, you can leave it where it is and uh, probably face the fact that it's going to collapse someday, probably sooner than later. Or they could take it off its historic site and move it. Well, their conclusion was, even though it was very expensive, they wanted to move it, and that's what they did. They moved. In order to, to keep the lighthouse, they couldn't leave it where it was. And they had to move it a quarter mile inland again to make it safe. And even though it's non-functioning, it still uh, served a purpose. And the church is a lot like that lighthouse. In order to survive, it has to move. That don't necessarily mean physically move, like in the case of this lighthouse. But I mean emotionally, uh, uh, um, in, in the way we think, in the way we do things, in the way we design our buildings, in the places we put our buildings, in how we do church, in how we do outreach, in, in how we minister. Here I am speaking to you over the internet. That's a change, right? What if we never change that? Well, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. That'd be one thing. And our church would be less effective. We reach hundreds and hundreds of people every single week. 
through the media of Facebook and YouTube. Who would have thought of that 10 years ago even, much less 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago where the church has been around for 2,000 years. Church is like that loud house. It has to move, needs to move in order to reach a moving and changing world. Notice how Paul constantly repositions himself. I'm going to go back over our verses again. To be the most effective. Verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. That's an important word right there. A slave to all. That I might win the more. A slave does not exist for himself, by definition. He exists for those whom he serves. Correct? Well, what's the purpose of a lighthouse? Or, uh, or let me ask you this. A lighthouse that exists for itself is what? Well, it's not a lighthouse. It's a something else. It's a building that has some other purpose or no purpose. It's a, it's a, uh, instead of a lighthouse, it's a self-house. It exists for itself. We've got one of those, by the way, in the Port Isabel. It's a monument now. It's not a functioning lighthouse because we don't, like I said, we don't use lighthouses anymore. But it's, 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 it's a self-house. It's just there. And, and in, this, in the sense of what it is, it serves a purpose, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But that can't be a church, the way a church thinks. Right? A lot of churches out there are just monuments anymore. Well, they were established, and they had a good purpose, and that purpose, because they failed to move, they failed to change, they failed to adjust themselves to a world that's constantly adjusting. Um, they've ceased to function. They still meet on Sundays, but they're not doing what Jesus called them to do. They certainly aren't doing what Paul did. Again, what is a slave? A person who does not exist for themselves, but exists for those whom they serve. We've got a self-house, like I said, if all we're doing is serving ourselves, we're certainly not a lighthouse. Verse 20, here's another way he moves. So Paul would move because, why? That's his call. That's our call. To the Jews, he says, I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. I thought Paul was already a Jew. What's up with that? He's not talking about his uh, physical heritage. He's talking about his religious heritage. He had to leave that. It was backwards. It was uh, legalistic, and it wasn't in line with the teachings, the true teachings of Christ or God, and had to be left. And so it's not, Paul's not saying, I became a Jew in the sense he went back to his old ways, old religion, we left all that, but he didn't leave his people. He didn't leave, even though he ceased to be religious in that sense, he didn't cease to reach out to the religious. He didn't forget them. He didn't stop reaching out to them. He goes on, he says, when I, to win the Jews for those who were under the law, as, as under the law, though not myself under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. So if he went to a place and they were all wearing a yarmulke, he wore a yarmulke, because why? It's not about how you dress, it's about reaching people. He'd stop speaking in Greek and start speaking in Hebrew. Why? Because he's been called to reach these people. He adjusted himself. Paul moved to reach them. He moved. He didn't stay where he was. He didn't stay comfortable. He didn't stick with the things that he liked and do away with the things he didn't like. And when the world moved away from him, Paul didn't just sit back and fold his arms and say, well, that's too bad for them. Got a lot of churches doing that. A lot of Christians doing that. Too bad for them. Here we are over here. If you want to see us, you've got to change and come to us. We're not changing and come to you. Really? Hmm. 
I'm thinking the Savior's going to have a problem with that. Paul didn't return to his old ways, but he didn't abandon his people either. Paul moved to reach them. Verse 21. Another group that he moved to. So for the religious, he became religious in order to reach them. For the non-religious, he became as one who had no religion in some ways. To those who were without the law, he says, without the law, as without the law. Though not being without the law of God, though under the law of Christ, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those without the law. He didn't go wear his yarmulke and his prayer shawl in a group of Greeks who are pagans. Because why? Because you've got to change and shift and move to reach people. Constantly moving, constantly, at least the ministry is constantly in flux. Why? Because the world is in flux. The world is. He would reposition himself. So, so what about us and the people who we know? These are some of the people I had the most difficult time with because I'm from a religious background. I'm, I was born in church. So to reach out to people that have never been in church is harder for me. But you know what? I've got to get over it. So do you. Because why? We've been called to them. So we have to change, not just do what we're used to, not just sing the songs we're used to and the things that we like, not just do the ministries the way we like them or the way, here's the worst thing, the way we've always done them for the sake of that and nothing else. We've always been here doing this. Well, it's not a reason to keep doing it. Unless, of course, it's working because that's the bottom line. Is it working? If it's not, throw it out. Do something different. We have to move to reach a moving and changing world. The people who don't come from a religious background, they're harder for me because I'm not, I don't know that life. But it doesn't mean I just throw up my arms, my hands. No. Paul moved. He was religious. Just like me. Raised religious. Paul moved, though, to reach them. So do we. Have to move in order to reach them. Verse 22. He brings up the weak. For to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. What are the weak? These are the young, uh, the immature, uh, especially in our, in our case, in most churches' cases. Children, youth, these are hard to reach. Uh, they require a lot of patience, a lot more manpower, a lot more time and a lot more money. They have none of those things, especially money. you got to throw a whole lot of that at them. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? Are we paying the price to reach our culture and our world? And if we're not, why not? So things have to move to reach a changing and moving world. And while we're talking about moving, we need to be remembering also that there are some things that never move. And here they are. Specifically, very clearly, number one, Jesus Christ. You don't move off of Him. He's the same yesterday and today and forever, right? We don't move off of Jesus. In fact, what are we reaching if we aren't sticking with Jesus? We've got a lot of churches that are moving away from Jesus. I'm sorry. You're not a church. You're not a church if you're not moving. Hanging on to Jesus, but you're not changing to reach the world. You're not a church. You're a self-house. You're also not a church if you're on the move, but you've left Jesus. We don't move off of Jesus. We don't move. 
Isaiah 48. The grass withered, another place we don't, things we move off of. Grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. We don't move off of that. That does not move. Now, we can have church in an airplane every day of the week. We can have church at the bottom of the sea every third Sunday. Makes no difference. Move, if that's where the world is, that is. But we don't move wherever that is, however that is, it's going to be with Jesus, it's going to be with the Word, as, as it tells here in Titus chapter 1, verse 9. He must, he must hold firmly, that is the pastor, and for that matter the church, firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. That's what we got to do. We don't move off of that. We can't move off of that. So there's some things that never move, and there are other things that all have to move, always. Since the world is in constant state of flux, or to a certain degree, the church has to be, and believers have to be in a constant state of flux. Yeah, we sit back as, by the way, church members, we say, I don't know what's wrong with the church. It needs to do something. Um, let me just say this very kindly. You're a part of the problem because you're a part of the church. <laughs> so if the church has a problem, you have a problem. It's not their problem, it's your problem. And until we make it our problem, nothing's going to change. For a church and a believer to be affected, they have to adapt their ministries and methods to fit the culture. We have to. We have to. A story was told about a preacher who went to visit a church member in ICU, and this older gentleman was in very bad shape. Not expected to live. And... Uh, the pastor went to see him. The pastor spoke only English, but this church member spoke only Spanish. He was an older gentleman, according to the story. And the pastor knew going in there that he was not going to, be, going to be having a conversation with this man, so he planned just to go in there, and that's what he did. He made the symbol of prayer, and the man nodded his head, and he took the man's hand and he began to pray. Well, about a third of the way through the prayer, by the way, he prayed a pretty long prayer because, like I said, he's not going to be able to have a conversation with this guy because neither one of them spoke each other's language. So not only have a conversation with this guy, so he decided to extend his conversation with God because, you know, that's what he's really there. I mean, who, is it really important that he visit with the minister or is it really important that, uh, that God be brought into this situation? So he prayed an extra long prayer and about halfway through the prayer, holding this man's hand, he noticed this man's hand began to tremble and he began to mumble something over and over again in Spanish, but he wasn't understanding what it was. He didn't know, he understood amen, you know, in Spanish, but he didn't, he wasn't hearing that, he was hearing some phrase being repeated and repeated and repeated. And, and he noticed that about three-quarters of the way through the prayer, the man's hand stopped trembling, and the man got really still. So what do you think anything about it? Finished the prayer, uh, opened his eyes. There the man was with his eyes closed, laying very, very still. He just thought, you know, he's, he's gone to sleep, you know, during this prayer, and that's a great thing. I hope it brought some comfort to him, and, and amen, you know, see you later. Walked out, found out, I guess, uh, a day later that the man had died during his prayer. And a couple of weeks later, after having done the man's funeral, and he was over at the family counseling with them, talking to one of their friends, and the friend spoke Spanish, and uh, he said, you know, that, 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 that gentleman, his name, whatever his name was, um, he kept repeating himself during that prayer, I reflected over it, and he says, I can kind of remember what the pronunciation of those words, even though I don't know what they mean. He said, oh, okay, well, pronounce them for me, and maybe I can help interpret them. 
And so he said what he could recall, the best way he could come up with it, and, and communicate it to this man who spoke Spanish. And the man looked at him with this hollow look and said, uh, the words you just said to me is, you're standing on my air hose, and I cannot breathe. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's not a true story. I don't think... But like that preacher, we are standing on the air hose of the world. Listen, when we keep things the way we like them as opposed to the way the world needs them. See, God's trying to breathe air into them. And our preferences are keeping that from happening. Our preferences are literally kinking their air hose. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? Am I? Are you? Because of our preferences. We don't exist for ourselves. We're slaves to a world. We're missionaries. We're not a self-house. We're a lighthouse. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for them. And if they're moving, we've got to move. Can't get them to come to church. Okay, then go to them, wherever they are. I think a great thing these days has been home groups. Are you, can you do a home group? I bet you can. You can, just having people over your house. Let's study the Bible. Would you like to come over and learn about Jesus? Try it. People are scared of buildings like this anymore, it seems. How, how do we reach them? Would you be willing to pray about the move that God would have you do and our church would do for the sake of them? Would you join me in that prayer? Because I think we need to do it. We need to be constantly praying, God, help us. Help us move so that we can be whatever you've called us to be. All things to all men that by all means we might save some. Let's pray that prayer right now together. God, we pray. Help us to be movable. Help us to see where we're stuck in the mud and, and just pleasing ourselves. And have forgotten about the world. Well, we've become a self-house instead of a lighthouse. And we're not changing because we like what we do. But in fact, the world doesn't like what we do. Not moving off of Jesus, not moving off your word, not moving off the message. But, but instead communicating to the world that um, now we're just here for ourselves. If that is true for us, God, I ask your forgiveness. And I ask you together with those of us who are praying right now, God, change our hearts, change our lives, so that we can change and accomplish the mission you called us to, to, to fulfill. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.